Okay, with Adam Joel, the last drop is the short film played at the Romance and Relationships Film Festival. This is an interesting film. This is one one uh, that this is a very unique film. One, it's a 41 minute short film, which is kind of what I call the epic short film. But thematically, this is almost like a, it's like a public service announcement, this film about emotional abuse and sort of how you kind of tell this story about someone realizing that they are being abused from this kind of supernatural or sci-fi invention that that's going to be an invention very soon. <laughs> it's not already. So, uh, Adam, that's my that's my little speech there. Like, uh, well, I'm curious when did this 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 idea start for you? When did you start writing on when when the screenplay go to go to the page? When did the idea come to the page for you? Start to finish the filmmaking process was about four years. Uh, the last drop, as you mentioned, is a sci-fi film about relationship abuse. Yeah, and it explores the memories of survivors because as I was talking with other survivors of abuse, I myself am a survivor. I realized we all had the same thing in common that we would you know, get, go down this road of experiencing a little bit more, a little bit more, uh, this gradual, sneaky increase of abuse. So that's where that drip metaphor comes in. Um, and then suddenly we'd have this wake up call where all our memories look different. And that's where the sci-fi idea came from, is exploring the memories of survivors. I'm curious, because uh, I can really, I relate to this, uh, this film very much. I'm curious, when does it does it does it connect like you kind of made that like i'm paraphrasing what you just said but basically how our past kind of like changes like how our perspective of what what our lives like what the abuse happened to us kind of changes is it what what do you think the percentages of people who come to that realization are it's super high i mean i feel like the vast majority of the of the survivors i've talked to uh I've had some form of that wake up call because ultimately my co-producer has a quote that I think responds to this super well, which is that abuse typically doesn't show up on the first date. Uh, contrary to ho most Hollywood movies about abuse, yeah. abusers are pretty smart and they're going to lead with their most charming and their most lovable characteristics. My ex-girlfriend, you know, she made me homemade cards. She came to watch, uh, you know, basketball games I was in in high school and I did feel very much in love. And there was gift giving and there was all this stuff. Um, and then the increase was so gradual that it takes something. And everyone has a different line that gets crossed where they suddenly say, okay, now I see what's going on with me. Um, and for me, it wasn't until after, after the breakup, I was dumped, which is an unusual case. Most survivors work up the strength or have that wake up call in time where they get to be the one who leaves. Uh, yeah. But I've struggled with the fact that I, I was in it for the long haul uh until my ex eventually dumped me so uh exploring these memories and like how did i let it get this bad and uh that self-blame and self-criticism that survivors face is really tough so let me ask you something you know, i don't want to get too personal but you if you want to share it i'm uh, an open book feel free there's a pattern of people kind of like getting into finding the same relationships over and over again right where where basically you kind of like are trained subconsciously, subconsciously to basically connect with a certain personality, right? And then, and then I think what you're where you're alluding to in the beginning, where like all of a sudden it doesn't happen on the first day, where you're like, oh, this person's different from the last person who is who is dysfunctional and abuser. And then mm -hmm. then you realize it happens like then three months later, it's like, oh my God, they're the same person. There's the other person. Does that I don't know if that makes sense to you, what I've just explained. Yeah. 
it's tricky. People, I think people get caught in this cycle of abuse. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it comes from what you learn from your family where people hundred percent. Yeah. Our love to, to be attracted to certain individuals, I guess. Right. Right. Yeah. Associating love with intensity and, and Hollywood plays right into that is, you know, in Hollywood movies, you've got things like twilight or 50 shades of gray with uh, vampires who almost want to kill you, but not quite. Or uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, where there's like a contract, and it's all about control and power. Yeah. Uh, which you know, it's it's easy to find examples of unhealthy relationships in Hollywood movies. It's actually much harder to find examples of healthy ones. Well, um, well, and- I was this going to make a quick joke that Twilight. He, I think he's 400 <laughs> and she's 16. So there's other. Oh my god! Yeah, that- kind of, uh, notions that are occurring in that movie as well, right? So that's a huge problem. I think there's also a scene <laughs> where he takes the engine out of her car. I mean, it's 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 bad start to finish there. And even movies that are a little bit lighter in terms of romance, there's you know. It's like, I'm in order to get a girl's attention, I'm going to throw a pebble at her window and kind of like sneak into her bedroom or like all these things. So um, there's a lot of intensity and a lot of pressure in those relationships. And I was fortunate to have great parents who were great role models. But what I kind of learned from them was that, you know, you love someone, you make it work. And so even with good role models in my own life, I had this attitude that love was this no matter what thing. And that ended up being abused and being being uh, used against me in my own relationship. And we hear that quote in the film of no matter what, we want to be together forever, no matter what, which sounds romantic until, you know, it's in the wrong person's hands. And then that phrase, no matter what, can be pretty creepy. It means you're going to stay with me no matter what I'm putting you through. Yeah. But I think that we're evolving a little bit with uh, in terms of like, I, I, I think a lot of things that you're just describing are are true where like and even your mentors or your parents or whatever like that, it's like, yeah, just get through it. Everything's fine. Like that's what that make it work. And then I think now we're kind of like in a general sense, we're not as as uh, as, as we don't use those platitudes anymore, I guess I should say. We don't use those kind of like phrases. We kind of like look at the whole kind of story and we like, you know, what I mean, even from men, the men's yeah. point of view, right, like about. Because men don't get abused, men don't are men. Men are stronger than women. You know what I mean? Or all that that kind of rhetoric, I guess, too, right? Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of toxic masculinity, and uh, in talking with a lot of experts about abuse, I've learned that men often underreport their instances where they're 100%. experiencing abuse. Yeah, I think yeah, no because about that, yeah, there's this machismo, and you know, um, for someone like me, you know, I, I I wasn't in a relationship to have a fight. So it didn't really matter who was bigger because that's not what I was there to do. You know, I wasn't I wasn't there to fight. So uh, I was there to I, I my instincts are more peacekeeping, apologizing. Um, if this person who I love, who seems nice to everyone else is upset, I think, oh, God, I must have done something awful. Um, and especially for young people, you're so vulnerable. That first time you're in love, you got nothing to compare it to. Um, and so that's part of what makes this abuse film different is it's about people in high school and college who, you know, it's not that they're married and they have kids. It's like they've just they're just falling hard, you know. So this is kind of like a, almost a real kind of story, but you kind of switched the the roles where you made the woman the the one, I guess. The, was that why did you choose that? To that kind yeah. of uh, situation in the film. Why didn't you make it about you? I, I'm just curious. Sure. Totally fair question. I think gender was one of the biggest things I struggled with in making this film. I'm a nut about feedback. So I talked to a bunch of survivors, filmmakers, friends, 
about my screenplay. I got like a 50 page Google doc just titled feedback. Um, so it was kind of a communal writing process and communal decision, but, uh, I had some people say, Hey, make the film about your story, male survivor. That's unique. I had some people say, you might be screening this in rooms full of female survivors and you might want to match those statistics. Um, and I think one thing that helped sway it was that there was an emotional buffer where I could write the character a little bit more different from myself. And that helped me in the writing process mm-hmm. of uh, something so personal and vulnerable already for me. I, I was able to say, no, this is a character. Sophia is a little different than me in, in multiple ways. And I was able to mix in a lot of other survivor stories too. So even though a lot of the dialogue is quotes for my relationship. It's also includes a lot of other survivor stories. And I think flipping the genders helped me turn that real, uh, the real stories into fiction in a way that I could do comfortably. And, you know, with some mental health in there. No, that's, that's totally, that, that makes a lot of sense. What you just described. Okay. So let's talk about the film. Okay. So the first question for my, my world, 45, 41 minutes, that's a long, short film. <laughs> And it's yeah. the, the the argument is that if you're going to make it 41 minutes, you might as well just push it another another 20, 30 minutes, or kind of make it a feature. If you did, you think about doing that, or yeah, absolutely. And I, I definitely looked shorter too. And I had I visited some old writing professors, screenwriting professors, and they said, "This is great. Go ahead and try to make it 10, 15 minutes." And I'm looking at my like 35 page draft, and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to cut this in half. But I did a page one rewrite. And I said, I'm just going to, not even looking too much at the old draft, I'm just going to try to make the shortest possible version. And it ended up the same length, but better. <laughs> um, so the, this story, I could not go shorter because I was trying to show so much time pass in a relationship. And again, this gradual buildup of abuse that showed the nuances. And as far as going longer, I actually didn't want to because in talking with abuse experts, they said, we want something that fits in a conference workshop in a training session in a classroom. So this 40 minute length, while really weird for a film festival, has fit perfectly to allow for like some discussion time afterwards in conferences and workshops and schools and colleges where we're doing our grassroots screening campaign uh, alongside. Oh, so is that a thing? Is that is that is that happening now or yeah? So I've got a whole grassroots screening campaign where we're self-distributing the film, uh, bringing it to abuse prevention conferences mental health programs. We're trying to raise funds for nonprofits. We're trying to provide a training tool for folks who are working in the space of social work and abuse prevention. So I've been building partnerships for a couple of years now, and we are running this whole campaign alongside the festival run. Wow. So how is the festival run doing with uh, with that time? Obviously you played at our festival. We're happy to show it, but is it that you're running in some snags with the runtime? Um, it's going pretty well so far. It's kind of funny. We actually made two different versions, one just over 40 minutes and one just under 40 minutes so that when festivals have a rule oh, along those minutes. lines, we could submit. Yeah, exactly. We could submit as a super short feature or a super long short. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we've, we've had some success there, which has been exciting. Fantastic. Okay. So then you got the script and then, and then what's your filmmaking experience before this film? So I have a small production company called Aggressively Compassionate, and we make videos for nonprofits and other good causes. Okay. It's actually me and my girlfriend are, who are we're partners in it. Not the abusive girlfriend from a long time ago that the last drop you know was inspired by, but 
we make a lot of videos uh, for environmental nonprofits, for fundraising, and for educational organizations. Uh, so our bread and butter is those short stuff. But when we can make a passion project like this, it's really special. And then, so you go to your website, thelastdropfilm.com. There's like, there's like places where you can, you can, you can uh, try to, you can host a virtual screening, a community screening, educational mm -hmm. screening, and uh, kind of like getting, getting it out there. I guess that that's like the, I guess certain, certain like uh, classes or courses are, would be interested in watching this film. Yeah, absolutely. So we even have uh, some partners in the abuse prevention space. Um, like one example is the One Love Foundation. They're a great organization. They bring abuse prevention into schools. Because if you remember, I don't know about, I'm curious what, what your health class was like, but I remember, you know, they talk about STDs. They talk, they say, hey, wear a condom. And there's not a whole lot on what else goes into making a healthy relationship. Um, so yeah, this organization, I, I don't think I always believe that school schools should have a relationship, even friendships. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of abuse in friendships. Like it starts in kindergarten, to tell you the truth, and like, and yeah. nobody knows how to be a friend. Nobody teaches anybody else how to be a friend. So I think that's a beautiful point, Matthew. And and some of the organizations we work with, they do start with kids at a very young age to say, all right, first let's bring up this idea of, of friendship. And, you know, conflict resolution that doesn't involve, you know, screaming and, and all this intensity. And then as the kids get older, they start bringing in heavier relationship abuse topics. Uh, but yeah, if you think about your life, relationships and friendships, that's some of the most important stuff you deal with. And school totally misses it. They, they so, never talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So our partner organizations come into schools from the outside. And now our film is one of the tools they bring. Cause yeah, cause like kids are like, there's so much manipulation happening in like the early grades. Oh it's like, you're not going to do this. You're not going to be my friend anymore. And it's like, then, then it's like, there's all this kind of like control and like, and like to get, to get what you want out of the other child. And it's like, and then the, totally. the, 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 the kid is five, six years old, right. They don't know any better. And they just, they, yeah. they abide. And then that sets up patterns of, of 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 like uh, well, what they do what well, we're talking about in the beginning right where we set up relationships we end up re recreating the same relationships over and over yeah. again yeah totally i mean we think about abuse in relation like romantic relationships but it definitely comes up in friendships work relationships 100%. like really any kind um and on the flip side of that you know healthy relationship education can be a beautiful thing too it's like how do you communicate your boundaries things like that um how, how do you make sure you're having fun in a relationship and not just protecting your partner's feelings and walking on eggshells? Uh, so I think, I think it's a really special thing when we can take in this fictional film based on survivor stories and say, Hey, here's a film packed with some lessons. Like, you know, sacrifice is in a love language. Uh, are you able to talk during the good times or does your relationship feel scary? Do you feel comfortable telling people about the bad parts of your relationship? Do you have separation between the idea of loving someone and also your freedom to leave? Uh, so our relation, our, our film brings up these relationship questions and we have our partners, you know, I've just finished discussion guides just this week or, or so uh, so that educators are not in the dark, you know, trying to play this film and deal with whatever questions come up afterwards. These discussion guides are crucial because I'll share a quick story. One survivor I talked to watched the Jennifer Lopez movie in her health class called enough and that's an abuse movie they watched in the health class so far very similar to what i'm doing yeah. uh she has this wake-up call where she's connecting with the movie she lets her other health, uh, classmates leave she goes up to her health teacher and says i think my relationship's like that movie 
And so she had this wake up call from a film that she's in an abusive relationship. And the health class teacher just said, oh, I think you should talk to someone about that. They didn't have any resources or emotional support for this poor young person who was opening up for the first time and realizing they're in an abusive relationship. So from the moment I heard that story, I knew we need discussion guides. We need handouts and resources for teachers and anyone else who's going to host a film screening uh, because I do not want to leave a teacher empty handed when that young person comes up and says, I need help. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. And it's sort of like, these these but these these teachers are not like i don't want to rail against teachers right but it's like no the, <laughs> the not, absolutely not, not for that conversation right so teachers perform you know they perform a million roles for young people that they are way underpaid to do and so i don't blame the teachers but um that's why you know they, they need they need to have those resources and that support uh because it's it's not their job to know everything about healthy relationships they certainly didn't learn that growing up so in order to have that culture change, we need, uh, you know, those experts and those professionals that I'm working with uh, to help give them some some support. So, OK, so tell me about uh, the, the the casting, obviously, in the film, like the two leads, mm -hmm. extremely important. They, they have to be young. They have to like be like past this high school uh, students mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Uh, well, in, in most ways, because <laughs> that's where <laughs> most of the setting is. So where did you find your two leads? Uh, one of them, uh, we did a ton of casting on backstage online, but the lead Sophia was actually a, a college friend of my girlfriend who kind of snuck into our last round of casting because she was so talented in her reel. And so we were actually in a place where we we're like, okay, we have some finalists, but we don't know who it's going to be. And then here comes this friend of a friend, uh, who just crushed it. Um, the antagonist anthony we found him online and there was some magic happening in a virtual audition when we brought the two of them in where i have an improv background as well so separate from this film i do improv comedy even though this film's not super light um and so i did an improv exercise with these two leads where i said hey uh i want to see the tone change where you flip that switch and what's a very sweet conversation and relationship turns very nasty and defensive and is all about uh, the guy's insecurities and then the girl trying to overcompensate and apologize before he blows up. So the improv exercise was, all right, Sophia, you're bringing Anthony breakfast in bed. Everything she says is the perfect thing. Oh my God, waffles. I love waffles. Oh, you remembered strawberries. That's amazing. And you wash out for my allergies. That's so sweet. Everything she says is perfect until she says the word blueberries, for example. And then no matter what she says, it is an attack on you. It is an attack on your relationship and your manhood. So this conversation, so light, uh, not meaningful and deep. I just wanted to see the emotion they could put behind it and how fast they could switch from sweet to scary. And it was scary because us three producers are survivors of abuse. And here are this pair of actors who is improvising the type of conversation we are super used to of, dang, that's, that he flipped that switch and now that really sweet, charming face is suddenly full of so much rage that is he's containing less and less as time goes on. And we saw that on set where there were some takes where I said, hey, let's let's play this take a little bit sad and, and, you know, almost like a sad puppy dog. And let's play it a bit more sympathetic. And he would turn that dial to sweet and charming. And uh, I said, that was too sweet. Let's turn that back up. And he could go full scary again. Yeah. So these actors... There was some triggering uh, scenes to direct, and we had uh, 
uh, an intimacy coordinator on set who was helpful for me and the mental health of cast and crew because it it did remind me a little too much of my own relationship. So they the, got the key scene in the movie with the the prom when she asks him to prom. Mm-hmm. And she's got witnesses, I guess, right? Because they they're doing the cake, and, and then there's a long mm-hmm. sequence in the in the in his I guess in his bedroom, or and uh, mm-hmm. and it's something just like triggers with her, I guess, right? Where mm-hmm. it's really well performed. That's a really that's a really key scene for that character. That for yeah. that she the, the audience without her saying anything, the audience has to get that something's off. I guess, right? Yeah, it's interesting you bring up that scene because that was the hardest scene emotionally yeah. for me to shoot where the intimacy coordinator had to, although they're often there for, you know, sex scenes, the intimacy coordinator in our case was there for, you know, safety and health and other and mental health in other ways. And that was the scene I needed support after. But yeah, we have this scene in a bedroom and so much of abuse happens behind closed doors. Um and a lot of abuse does involve withholding, which is the type of abuse I never knew about of withholding affection, pretending like someone doesn't exist while they pour their heart out. Um, and Sophia is doing everything, basically talking to his back where he'll give her either silence or snapping and yelling. So zero or a hundred, nothing in between. Um, and that's a lot for the actors to sink their teeth into of like desperation really is what's at the heart of that scene is like, you have to keep trying everything you can to convince this person to give you the time of day. Uh, and then the catch 22 of set, he says, you know, leave me alone. And she gets in the doorway before he says, I can't believe you'd fucking leave me like this. And I hope I can curse on the podcast. No, but yeah, that that's... was a real catch 22 that I experienced of like, oftentimes it'd be a text later of I've been told to, to, to leave my partner. And then I get a text later in the night that says, I can't believe you left me like this. And that's that push and pull that, you know, answers a no, bit of the no, mystery. No matter of what, you're in stay. trouble. Yeah, no matter exactly. what. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The the rules of the game can always change when you're dealing with someone like that. Yeah, they're, they're setting you up that no matter, like, they're going to be mad no matter what, so. Yeah. And we're talking about filmmaking, like, that's the scariest type of villain to me, is someone who you have a loving relationship with. And, you know, more so than the Joker or whoever else is out there, is someone who you really trust and you want them to be happy uh that's intense that's really scary to me because of what i've experienced yeah i think this is more common than the not common i guess right yeah it is surprisingly common you talk to most people they gotta it's either themselves a friend or a family member that they know someone oh yeah we we, let's not get started on family members right so like yeah that's and that's another thing that's changing too through the through the years and or in the last 10 years especially is that is that you're always told like stay with your family members like even if mm-hmm. your your parents especially or whatever even though they're abusing you they're like they're your parents they're that's your sister that's you know what I mean and I think mm-hmm. that's changing too like even professionals would say you got to make this relationship work now yeah. it's like why <laughs> right your mental health is more <laughs> right. important right yeah absolutely and I got a, a ton of respect for this younger generation that's teaching upwards I yeah. see online posts about around the holidays people choosing not to go home yeah. to choose their friends giving instead of Thanksgiving um, people who go no contact sometimes with family members. And there's beginning to be breakup culture with family that there hasn't been before. Whereas with as tough as abuse is in a relationship, we at least know of this idea of a breakup that we can try to navigate with family members. It's almost not even a concept. Um, it's just sort of newly coming about this idea of like, I might have to break this off. Um 
or at least turn this, turn this relationship off and keep my distance for a while to, you know, heal. Um, so I have a ton of respect for younger kids who are actively saying, uh, we need more resources on abuse. We need to be able to decide what's best for us in any type of relationship. Um, so I'm really excited about this younger generation as, as much as they shouldn't have to ask for these things, they are t- stepping up and asking for a lot. Well, sometimes like there's situations, right? Like where like in your relationship, you were young, mm-hmm. you didn't have kids, right? You didn't have a mortgage. You didn't have like that was <laughs> things that were laying practically and, and right. emotionally that were laying on to the relationship. So sometimes you have those relationships, like with your parents, especially. And mm-hmm. then, so what you have to do, I guess, in the logical sense is that you say, okay, this is not working. Mm-hmm. So either this has to change or basically it, it can't work for me. So sometimes, you know, miracles happen and these people change, like a lot of parents have changed their tune or even relationships because they, there's, there's, they, someone has given them the ultimatum, right? So they're, they're kind of forced to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, you they're that? like, and you're like, I know that's, a, maybe that's an idealistic point of view, but no, it's, it's, a, it's a really tricky thing. It varies so much individual to individual, but what I've learned from experts uh, and I don't claim to be one myself, is that uh, an abusive person can change. They have to be super motivated to do it. They have to be self-aware of the problems they're causing. Um, and so my attitude is, yes, some abusive people can be ready to change, but you don't have to wait for that. You don't have to hold their hand through that process and you can free yourself of that burden. Um, maybe they change, maybe they don't, but maybe they got to do that without you. <laughs> so yeah. that that can be really tricky. And sometimes what experts say is like um, folks who do change their abusive behavior, sometimes losing that person that they're, you know, got their grip on can be a motivator. So losing that relationship with you might be a step for that. Um, but yeah, it's really tricky to hold out hope for someone who is able to flip flop uh, you know, uh, apologize, admit wrongdoing, and then go into a rage again. That cycle can be very, very magnetic. Yeah. Well, yeah. Congratulations on the film. It's like it's really gutsy, and it, like it holds its like the the performances are there. It holds its own. Very, very cinematic. Nice, nice uh, shot selection in terms of like putting them together. Like this is just like you know, on general stuff like the scenes where you, you keep them in the same frame when you, you keep them separated. She's like, even in the bedroom scene where like, he's on, like she's on the ground. He's like, you know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. above her, mm-hmm. all these kind of psychological, this is just second viewing stuff, right? It's like yeah. nice framing, um, nice, nice, nicely put together film. What did you think about that? We sent obviously you said you love feedback. What did you think about the audience, our audience uh, commenting on your film? I was so touched by the video feedback that the film festival sent me. Um, it was such a unique thing for film festivals to, to offer because so many are very impersonal. But y'all sent me, you know, a nine, 10 minute video of a variety of individuals doing really thoughtful analysis of the film. Everything from the title to the certain moments that hit them. And I'm like, wow, they are just like whack a mole all these little Easter eggs and nuggets I wanted to put in the film. Um, and it was really vulnerable to be honest. I was like hugging a pillow, squirming in my seat. I'm like, I felt very seen, but ultimately in a really good cathartic way. Um, so I really appreciated it, especially having to apply to, you know, I don't know, upwards of 30 festivals. A lot of them were still waiting to hear back, but so many of them positive or negative, uh, even when you get in, it's sometimes not that personal connection you have with the audience. So 
I really appreciate y'all's model. So congrats, congratulations on the film. I'm, I'm I'm seeming like it's 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 creating this kind of uh, momentum, and it's going to be like you want it to stand the test of time. You want this to be yeah. an example of this kind of um, uh, this kind of abuse and using the the, the fantasy kind of sci-fi realm. I'm telling you, this is going to be invented soon. It's kind of has like <laughs> a there. It's you've seen it in the movies before, kind of like the internal sunshine and spotless mind. That, that's different when yeah. they kind of erase the memories, but. It's Absolutely. sort of like that same kind of system where they're they're kind of like manipulating our memories, I guess, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind was a huge inspiration. And I, I see this film as an ex- uh, uh, kind of like that film, except instead of deciding they want to be together, they decide they got to be apart. Yeah. And I'd yeah. love to just leave off with a quick mnemonic device for your audience that I feel is an easy thing to remember and a, a really just a catchy takeaway on relationship health. If, uh, if I can add one more minute here. Yeah. So to this takeaway is just phone wallet keys. And it's something that's what you list yourself when you're leaving the house. You're like, that's what's important. I need, I need to check. I got phone wallet keys. Uh, it's a good mnemonic device because you already memorized it. But to me in a relationship, it signifies what's important to check in on. So like my phone, that's my people. You know, that's like my contacts, my emergency contacts, my social media is anyone trying to control my access to my people? And we see that in the film with Anthony uh, grabbing her phone, yeah. pressuring her to block contacts, getting jealous of her social media. Uh, so my phone, that's my people. My wallet, that's my choices. So financial abuse is something we don't talk about a lot, but is anyone trying to control my spending? And also my ID, my identity is in my wallet. And so is anyone trying to control my identity? And we see in the film, Anthony is judging Sophia's, uh, the, the way she dresses. He's judging um, her college choice. And so my wallet, that's, that's my, my choices. And then my keys, that's my freedom. So my freedom to go out, my freedom to stay home, my freedom to, to, you know, come and go as I please and, and enjoy the events that are important to me in my life. So to me, that's a takeaway for, for your listeners, even if they haven't watched the film yet, phone wallet keys, my people, my choices, my freedom. That's um, fantastic. Check on those in a relationship. Yeah, it's important. And check on whether you're, you know, controlling someone else's, uh, you know, people, choices or freedom there too. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a hundred percent, right? So that's, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for, for, uh, for, for doing that because it, uh, it does make a lot of sense. You can write a whole novel about that. Yeah. Maybe I will someday. I, I really appreciate that's it, good. Matthew. That's and good I, stuff. I, and I appreciate your, your festival. It, it really meant a lot to me getting that, that really personal feedback. And I'm telling you, it starts in kindergarten. That's where that's where mm-hmm. all the relationship uh, um, starts. So, from my experience, absolutely, yeah. If, if we protect young people from tough conversations, they might have to face uh, worse things on their own. You know, learn things the hard way. So, you're absolutely right. Having some tough conversations as early as we can is actually a better way to protect young people. I think. All right, thank you so much. Uh, maybe we'll see you when you make your next film, and uh, can just wish you the ultimate best of success. It's it's. Uh, you hit you hit a home run with this, and I know it's a gut it's a gutsy uh, it's a gutsy film to make, and you succeeded. So congratulations! Thanks so much, Matthew. We're we're, we're really excited to bring the last drop everywhere we can, and uh, you know hope 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 we can change the way people learn about abuse and healthy relationships around the world. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Shlemiel, Shlemazel, Hassan, Incorporated. We're gonna do it.